Welcome to Working the Word with Jonathan Vorse. Join us now for service already in progress at Lakewood Church of God. Springboard scripture today is Revelation 1 and 7 where the Bible says, Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him, and they also which pierced him, and all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him. Even so, amen. I shared with you where the scriptures told us in the book of Acts that Jesus ascended up into heaven. Two men stood by in white apparel, and and the Bible said that a cloud received him out of their sight. And two men stood by in white apparel and said, Why stand ye gazing into heaven? For this same Jesus, which has gone away, will so come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. So then we come over to Revelation chapter 1 and verse number 7, and the Bible said, Behold, He cometh with clouds. So when He comes with the clouds, that's going to be a fulfillment of the prophecy of the two that were standing there when the cloud received Jesus out of their sight and said, Why do you stand gazing for this same Jesus, which has gone away, will so come, here we go, in like manner as you have seen Him go into heaven. So when He comes with clouds, that's the fulfillment of that prophecy. And then the Bible said that every eye would see him and they also which pierced him and all kindreds of the earth shall well because of him even so. Amen. So let's talk a little bit about the return of Jesus. Let's talk about the imminent return of Jesus. God promised 490 years of his prophetic dealings with Israel and the Jewish people and that's found in Daniel chapter 9 and verse 24. We can't read all these scriptures I'm passing it out to you because I want you to take it and use it as a Bible study. Okay? So God promised that there would be 40, promised 490 years of that, those dealings. So, and then God promised that the Messiah would come 483 years after the command to rebuild Jerusalem. And that is Daniel chapter 9, verses 25 through 26. You say, Well, there's a seven-year discrepancy there. What's going on with that seven-year discrepancy? Well, that seven-year discrepancy is what we call the tribulation period. So that'll be the fulfillment at the end of the tribulation period will be the fulfillment of the 490 years of Daniel's prophecy. The command to rebuild Jerusalem was issued by King Artaxerxes in Ezra chapter 7. And 483 years later, Jesus rode into Jerusalem on a colt and they were crying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. You know the story. How that the Bible says that by the end of the week they were crying, crucify him. They crucified Jesus. They put him in a borrowed tomb. Three days later he rose again. He was seen of over 500 people, 500 brethren. Then he ascended up into heaven with the promise that he would be coming back someday. Now let's talk about the signs of his coming back. Let's talk about the signs of the imminent return of the Lord. The Bible said that Israel would begin, the Jews would begin migrating back to Israel to their homeland. And this end time prophecy of the Jews returning home is being fulfilled today. In fact, there are ministries that ask you to send money to them because their purpose is to try to help Jews come back home to their homeland. 
There's Jews in Russia trying to come home. There's Jews in different parts of Europe trying to come home. There's Jews over here in America that's trying to go home. They're all wanting to go home to Israel. Now, I don't know most Christians that I know. You might not be of Jewish descent, but most Christians that I know, because you've received the spirit of adoption, whereby you cry, Abba, Father, you have a spiritual connection to Israel. And most Christians that I know would love to go to Israel. They just, there's something about it. They want to go walk where Jesus walked. They want to see where Jesus taught. They want to go where Paul was in prison. They want to go look at those places where the Pauline epistles were written. There is something inside of those of us that believe that Jesus is the Messiah that is drawing us back to Israel. That feeling that's inside of you to draw you to Israel is a fulfillment of end time Bible prophecy. It's there. It's inside of you. Then the prophetic signs point to the tribulation period. Those, those, that tribulation period and those prophetic signs are beginning to accelerate in the earth. Signs like apostasy. Signs like deception. Signs like false prophets. Like lawlessness and hypocrisy. All of those things the Bible says in the last days would accelerate in the earth before Jesus comes. How many of you can say that there's a lot of apostates today? You know that, right? How many of you say there's a lot of deception in the earth today? We're not talking about just deception concerning Jesus. We're talking about a spirit of deception that's loose in the earth today. So there's a spirit of deception that's loose in the earth today. It's a sign of the times. False prophets are rising. Send me your money and God will give you $1,000. False prophets are rising. If you buy this miracle oil, that you'll get the miracle that you need in your life. False prophets are rising. False prophets are rising. Then there's people that are standing up and they're claiming to be Jesus. They're claiming to be Christ. The spirit of the Antichrist is loose in the earth today. Lawlessness and hypocrisy. I mean, look at the elections, not just in America, but around the world. Anytime there's an election, there's violence somewhere. And so a spirit of lawlessness, no regard for the law, a total disregard for the law is there. And so that's a sign of the times and hypocrisy begins to accelerate. The Bible says, the Bible talks about how that people would come along and claim to be anointed, but then they would turn around and, and live like the devil. That happens all of the time, doesn't it? I mean, there's a whole lot of Sunday morning saints in churches. Leave it alone. Okay. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. I will. All right. Isaiah chapter 17. Jeremiah chapter 49. The Bible talks about there being trouble in southwestern Iran. That's, it's in Jeremiah. It's, it's, it's in Jeremiah chapter 49. In Isaiah chapter 17, the Bible talks about problems in Damascus, Syria. That's happening right now. Israel becomes, a, as time goes on, in Ezekiel 38 and 39, the Bible talks about how that Israel is attacked by Russia and her allies, but God begins to fight for Israel. You can go ahead and pa pass the next one out if you would like. So we see, and we don't, it's unclear whether this is going to happen before or after the rapture of the church, but we see that the stage is getting set for the imminent return of Jesus. I want you to look at your neighbor right now and say, Jesus is coming. I read to you last week in the scripture where the Bible said that in the last days, 
People would talk about how that they have heard that all of their life. And then the Bible says, In a time when man thinks not, then shall appear the coming of the Son of Man in heaven. The Bible said that two would be in the field. The one would be taken and the other left. Two would be in a bed. The one would be taken and the other left. Let me put it in modern vernacular. Two will be driving in a car. One will be taken and the other left. Two pilots will be in an airplane. One will be taken and the other will be left. People will be sitting around the table, the dinner table, and some will be taken and others will be left. You'll be in a restaurant. All of a sudden, some of the people in the restaurant aren't going to be able to pay their bill because they're not going to be there anymore. It's everywhere. You'll be working at a line. You'll be working on your job. You'll be maybe in the stock room or something like that. All of a sudden you hear noise and you turn around and the person you were talking to that was helping you is gone and you're left. You mocked them, you laughed at them, you said, yeah, you're one of them Christians, aren't you? Well, guess what? I'm out of here. They're gone. Some people say that's just not going to happen. I just don't believe that. You're fulfilling Bible prophecy when you say that. The Bible says in a time when man thinks not, then shall appear the coming of the Son of Man in heaven. And the Bible said in the last days it would be like it was in Sodom and Gomorrah. Marrying and giving marry, giving in marriage, eating and, and, and drinking. And that's talking about living a life of just perpetual party. That's what it's talking about. This, this is all signs of the time. So eventually Jesus is going to come. Now when Jesus comes the first time, well actually he came the first time, but when he comes in what we call the rapture of the church, some people say, well, the word rapture is not in the Bible. Well, neither is Easter and neither is Christian and neither is your birthday. And just because your birthday is not in the Bible, it doesn't mean you're not going to have a birthday every year, right? Unless you're like me and decided when you hit 50, you've done, you're going to have a birthday every other year instead of every year, every other, every other year. But the rapture of the church, is, it speaks of the catching away of the bride, and, and that takes place. The Bible says that only our Heavenly Father will know when this is going to happen. Jesus doesn't know when it's going to happen. The angels don't know when it's going to happen. The saints who are absent from the body and present with the Lord are not going to know when it's going to happen. Only the Heavenly Father knows when He's going to look at His Son and say, Go get your bride. So then the church, the bride, is going to go to heaven for the married supper of the Lamb. Hallelujah. And all the men said, there's going to be food in heaven? Yes. The best food you've ever ate in your life. It's going to be right up there in heaven. Fried chicken. <sighs> all right, it's almost lunchtime. I'm not going to make you hungry. Meanwhile, while we're up there, enjoying this wonderful marriage supper of the Lamb. It's the reception of the wedding. Because we're the bride of Christ. And God is going to join the head of the church with the body of the church, which is the bride. So we're the bride of Christ. And while we're up there in the marriage supper of the Lamb, there are probably people up there right now preparing it. But while, while we're doing that, then the Bible said during that time on the earth, the Roman Empire is going to reform. And that's in Daniel chapter 2 and Revelation chapter 13. And you can see the different passages there. Now, this is something that breaks my heart, but it's in Bible prophecy. The power of the United States on the world stage will be weakened as a new multi-region federation in Europe is formed. 
And the purpose of them doing this is to instate a one-world currency and have a one-world government. Some people see the United Nations as the forerunner or very possibly the structure in which that's going to happen. Now, there are different people that are much more learned in Bible prophecy that can explain why they think that or why they don't think that. I'm not going to venture down that road because I'm going to be honest with you. I just don't know enough about it. But there are people that believe that the United Nations is either the structure of it or they are actually going to morph into this new multi-region federation in Europe. And their purpose, like I said, is to have a one world currency and to establish one government. At, as this is happening, there will obviously be a lot of infighting and there's going to be, they're going to need a leader. And so what will happen is the Antichrist will arise and begin to present himself as the leader of the world. And the Bible says that Satan will enter into him. Satan will enter into him. So the Antichrist will arise and Satan will enter into him and he will become very popular overnight. You know why? Because he's slick. He's the master of deception. He's a smooth talker, buddy. And so what he'll do is he will present himself as the answer man. And so he'll have a false prophet there with him. And the Antichrist will, will rise and will lead the world in the signing. Now listen to this. In the signing of an international peace treaty between Israel, the Islamic nations, and the other nations of the world. Another place in the scripture, the Bible says that in the last days they would cry, peace, peace, when there is no peace. What do we talk about when we talk about that part of the earth today? Everybody talks about how they would like to have peace there. Every leader who presents themselves to lead our nation, one of the things that they always address in the election is they think that they can either greatly contribute to peace in the Middle East or they can actually craft something and bring everybody to the table so there can be peace in the middle. You hear it all the time. You hear it all the time. Well, the Antichrist is going to step up and the Bible said that he will lead the world. This is in Daniel chapter 9. He will lead the world in the signing of an international peace treaty between Israel, the Islamic nations, and the other nations of the world. And the first Three and a half years of the tribulation will begin. Now listen very closely. All right. One of the signs of the imminent return of Jesus, which means that Jesus is about to come, one of the signs is that we can see this formulating right now in the Middle East. Jesus will come and then there will be, the Antichrist will rise, Satan will enter into him, and then there will be the signing of that international peace treaty. Then, during that time, the Bible said that the Jewish temple will be rebuilt in Jerusalem and there will be an effort to reinstate temple worship complete with animal sacrifices. That's why it's important to find a, a pure red heifer. And I'll let Perry Stone talk to you about that. Talking about the ashes of the red heifer. Because they actually have to make some sort of a sacrifice. Like I said, I'm not an authority on it, but they have to make some sort of a sacrifice in order to reinstate that kind of worship. 
After this, or during this time, 144,000 Jewish converts to Christianity will begin preaching and dying for Jesus. They'll start preaching about Jesus. Now, let me, now this, is, this is where things get a little bit sketchy for some people. Let me explain it like this. When Jesus returns, He's returning at the catching away of the saints. When He comes to gather His bride together and we rise to meet Him in the air, according to 1 Corinthians 15 and 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. When we rise to meet Him in the air, that is not the second coming of Jesus. The second coming of Jesus takes place at the end of the tribulation. That's when He puts one foot on land and one foot on sea and there's an earthquake and He sets up His kingdom. That is the second coming of Jesus. Jesus will return in the air and we will be caught up together to meet Him in the air. In the air. That's when the bride of Christ, those without spot, those without wrinkle, those without any such thing, whose robes have been made white by the blood of the Lamb, who have been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, that's when we will go to heaven to be with the Lord as His bride. There will be people left on the earth whose eyes will see. And like I told you last week, the Bible didn't say we would be gone in the twinkling of an eye. The Bible said we would be changed in the twinkling of an eye. And so they will see the corruptible put on incorruption, the mortal put on immortality. They'll see us rise to meet the Lord in the air and it'll be too late for them to be a part of the bride, but they can still believe in Jesus. Now, the next seven years of their life, and I'll show you here in just a few moments, a third to a half of the people on the earth is going to die because of persecution or calamity. So if they make it through that, that would be wonderful. That would be great. But they may not even make it through that. But there will be people during the tribulation period that missed the rapture that's going to have an opportunity to give their life to Jesus. Are they going to make it through the tribulation without becoming a martyr? Chances are they probably won't because about half of the world is going to convert over to this one world government and the Bible says a third to a half of the world is going to be slain through calamity and through persecution. So the half that probably will be slain through calamities and through persecution and whatnot are probably those who made a confession to Christ, would not take the mark, and they were martyred because of it. Now here's the thing. Let me say it like this, and I, wanna, I don't want to freak you out or anything like this, but I just want to teach you the truth, okay? If you can't live for Jesus now, what makes you think that you can live for Jesus when you're staring down a guillotine? See what I'm saying? So 144,000 Jewish converts are going to convert to Christianity. They're going to begin preaching and then they're going to begin dying for Jesus. We find that in Revelation 7, Revelation 14. The judgments on the earth will begin to intensify. Fire, the Bible says fire falls from heaven. The sea and the waves will be roaring. Earthquakes are beginning to intensify. And we see all of this beginning to ramp up right now. I mean, it's everywhere you look, everywhere you look. Judgments on the earth. World religions will come together to form what the Bible calls in Revelation chapter 17 a harlot religion. 
They will get together and they will form that and the Antichrist will then move past the answer man and move past the person who is leading one world government and all of these kinds of things. He will move past that and will begin to demand personal worship. He will erect a statue of himself on the temple mount and the Bible tells us that he will demand that people worship his visage. That means his picture. Anytime they see his picture. You see these nations where anywhere you go, there's a great big dictator, there's a big dictatorship, and there's pictures of the dictator everywhere you go. It doesn't matter. Anywhere in that nation you go, there's pictures of that. That's what he's going to do all over the world. And he's going to demand anytime that you see his picture that you worship him. And the one world faith that he will be promoting will be a world faith that puts him at the center. The Jews, God's chosen people, will be slain in an effort to stamp out any reference to God. And under the Antichrist, under Hitler, one out of every three Jews was slain. Under the Antichrist... The Bible tells us, and there's scriptures here, two out of every Jew will die. Two out of every three Jews will die. Isn't that amazing? So the Antichrist and his economic team, you can flip that page over. The Antichrist and his economic team will introduce a new global economy. Cash will be replaced with a mark in your hand or in your forehead. No one will be able to buy or sell without the mark. That's found in Revelation chapter 13. You see this technology today in the world. You see it when you go to the grocery store. You see it when you go purchase something. You see that same technology there. The Antichrist will claim to be God and demand that people worship His image. And this will be the beginning of the second three and a half years of the tribulation. Now the second three and a half years, the first three and a half years are three and a half years of peace and prosperity. The second three and a half years, the last three and a half years of the tribulation period are three and a half years of calamity. During that time, the Bible says in Revelation chapter 11, that two prophets will arise in Jerusalem and begin to cry out against the Antichrist. They will, they will try to shoot them and they will rise again. And they'll kill them again, they'll rise again. Every time they try to get they'll just rise again and they'll just keep crying out against the Antichrist. And during the second half of the tribulation, there will be increased disasters, judgments, calamity poured out rapidly upon the earth at an ever-increasing and alarming rate. The Antichrist will establish death camps to annihilate those who disagree with him and one-third to one-fifth of the world's population, or one-half, I'm sorry, that should have been one-half, one-third to one-half of the world's population will die from war, from hunger, from persecution, from epidemics, geophysical changes will come during that 42-month period. In fact, the Bible talks about fire falling from heaven, that grown men will, will receive wounds that should bring them to death, but their body will not die. And so this is what's happening in the last uh, half of the tribulation period. And all of this will come to a head in a valley called the Valley of Megiddo. And this is where the Battle of Armageddon will take place. Let's pass the third and final piece out that I want to share with you. Now I want to talk to you about the second coming of Christ. 
we're doing good. I've been teaching this for 24 minutes. I thought it would be like 45 or 50 minutes and I was gonna, we'd just have to shut it down. But we're doing good here. So, so I want you to get this picture. I want you to get this picture. You've got all of this stuff that we've described. I've given you scriptures for everything. I want you to take it home. I want you to study it. And all of this is happening and all this is taking place. Now understand by this time, there's only one third of the living Jews left on the earth. And so you got, and so you got the nations of the world, yes, including America, that will gather themselves together and that's if America is still standing because during the tribulation, the Bible said that one third of the trees of the earth would be burned. And the only way that that could happen would be through some type of a nuclear catastrophe in that period of time. And approximately one third, and I'm not trying to scare you, but approximately one third of the trees of the world today are found in North America. So... I don't know what's going to happen. I know I'm going to be out of here. I'm going to be eating chicken in heaven. That's what I know. Chick-fil-A in heaven. Amen. Thank the Lord for that. Okay. But you got to get this picture. There's one-third of the Jews that are living, that are remaining. There's one-third of them that have gathered together in this valley called Megiddo. The nations of the world have come against them. And there has been... A political effort, there has been an economic effort, there has been a war effort, there's been any kind of effort possible to, to totally stamp them out and from the face of the earth, their memory, who they are. All of this, and they're all going to be gathered together and it's going to look like it's the end. And then all of a sudden, Jesus is going to come for the second time. Hallelujah. It's going to happen. Now, in Zechariah 14 and Revelation 19, the Bible talks about Jesus coming back on a white horse. And He's going to be riding that white horse. And on His vesture and on His thigh is going to be holiness unto the Lord. And the Bible said that we will come back with Him. And when Jesus comes back and puts one foot on land and one foot on sea, the Bible said that at that point in time, He would defeat the armies that had come against Israel and the blood of the enemies of Israel would run to the horse's bridle in the valley of Megiddo. Now, before you think that's up here, if you really study it, there's a part right here on the horse that they also call a bridle. So up to the horse's ankles in the valley of Megiddo. Just let me say it like this. Zion Oil and Gas has a lease on 99,000 acres in part of the valley of Megiddo to drill for oil. So if that's just part of the Valley of Megiddo, how big is that valley? See? So Jesus will defeat the armies that's gathered themselves against Israel. Jesus will start to judge the nations. The Antichrist, the false prophet, and all who took their mark will be thrown into the lake of fire. There's scriptures there for it. Satan will be bound for a thousand years and we will enter what I was talking to you about last week, the millennial or the 1,000 reign of Christ on the earth. And that's where we will rule and reign with Jesus Christ. 
At the end of this, Satan will be loosed for a short season to deceive, if possible, the very elect, along with those who did not go in the rapture, but was able to survive the tribulation. Those people will continue to live. They will continue to have descendants. They will continue to marry. Families, children will continue to be born during that thousand year millennial reign of Christ. We will be ruling and reigning with Christ. Now, I personally believe, and I taught you last week, I personally believe that the new Jerusalem will come down at the beginning and serve as the headquarters of that ruling and reigning with Christ. Some people believe that will happen at the last of the 1,000 year millennial reign. And I would say, well, what would be the purpose in that? And so I think that it'll happen. And so what'll happen is families will continue to expand. Population will begin to increase upon the earth again. But it'll all be under the government of Jesus. So what's going to happen is Satan knows that Jesus is coming. He knows that he's coming to establish his kingdom. He knows that he's coming to set himself up upon the earth. And so Satan's going to try to get the jump on Jesus, enter someone, become an antichrist, and he's going to try to replace Jesus before he ever comes. But it's not going to work. It's not going to work. Jesus is going to grab him, tie him up for a thousand years. And for a thousand years, the world is going to go on and people are going to live and people are going to have babies and the population is going to grow. And then the Bible said at the end of that time, that thousand years, it's right there. The Bible says at the end of that thousand years, Satan will be loosed for, loosed for a little season. And at the end of that season, he will deceive, if it's possible, even the very elect. But he's also going to be putting a bid in for the souls of those who have been living during that time. Listen, the Bible said in the millennial reign of Christ, the lion will lay down with the lamb. There's going to be no malice. There's going to be no anger. There's going to be no wars. There's going to be no fighting. We'll be able to go fishing and not have to worry about the game warden. Oh, you don't have to do that now if you get a license. Anyways, you understand what I'm saying. And so, here's the thing. God wants a people that's serving Him because they choose to. During that millennial reign of Christ, all of those that are born, all those that are living, they're not going to have that choice because it's just going to be the nature of the way things are. So Satan will be loose for a little season to deceive if it's possible, even the very elect and all of those people, and they're going to have to choose, am I going to go the way of God or am I going to go the way of Satan? And so they're going to have to make the same choice that we have to make today. The difference is they'll be coming out of the millennial reign of Christ and we're the bride of Christ coming up to the return of Christ. Okay? Now, we're just about done here. After Satan is loosed, the very elect, those who did not go in the rapture, but was able to survive the tribulation, Satan will try to, to deceive them. Their descendants who remained on the earth, they're going to have to make the choice, Christ or Satan. At the end of that will be the great white throne judgment. That's at the end of the thousand year millennial reign after Satan's been loosed. That's when everyone will stand before God and God will divide the sheep from the goats. Depart from me, I never knew you. That's where people will hear that phrase. Or, well done, good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of the Lord. That's where people 
we'll hear that phrase. And so there will be a great division. And, and just in case you're saying, well, you know, I just think that's kind of harsh. No, no, people did it to themselves. God gave them a choice. You have a choice today. In fact, God went the extra mile. He sent His Son, Jesus, to die as a lamb slain from the foundation, His only begotten Son, to die to make a way for you to have a relationship with Jesus. And you have the audacity to say, well, it's kind of harsh that God would put me in hell. Well, you, he, he don't want to. He made every way possible for you to give your life to Jesus. But you have to choose because God's not going to force you against your will. Then after all of that's done, God wipes away tears from our eyes and there's no more sorrow. And the only way, now listen, I, I asked the Lord one day, I said, Lord, how's it going to, you know, up in heaven, there's going to be people in hell. There's people in hell today that I knew. I mean, it bothers me. And so I asked the Lord, I said, you know, that's going to be tough. And you said in, in heaven that there's going to be no more tears and no more sorrow and all that will pass away. How can that pass away if we know, you know, some of our loved ones went to hell? And the, and the thought came to me, I'm not going to say it came from God, but the thought came to me, the only way that would be possible is if He just wiped our memory from it. He took them out of our memory. I think that one of the horrors of hell will be that you're forgotten in your suffering. That would be tough, wouldn't it? Oh, I, and, and people say, well, why do you preach the way you do? Why do you, this is why I don't want anybody to go there. Nobody, nobody. After all of that, then we've got the judgment seat of Christ. The judgment seat of Christ is where we are judged according to our works, and that's not whether we get into heaven or whether we get into hell. The judgment seat of Christ is where we receive rewards for our labor. So that's where we start getting our gifts from the Lord. And then after that, Revelation 21, there's a new heaven and a new earth wherein will dwell righteousness. And the new Jerusalem, come on, Mark. And the new Jerusalem will serve as the capital city of this new heaven and new earth. And according to Revelation chapter 21, the Bible said it'll be established forever. Now, I'm surprised that we got through all of that, and I'm grateful and thankful that we did because I didn't want to take another Sunday on it. But I want you to take this that I gave you. I want you to take it home. I want you to go through those scriptures. I want you to study it out. You know, look at it. Start looking for the signs of the times around today. We're, you know, this is not a fairy tale. The fact that Jesus is coming is not a fairy tale. It's a reality. This is not Greek mythology, it's Christianity. Christianity is just simply devoted followers of Jesus Christ, disciples of Christ. This is what the Bible teaches. And listen, it should inspire us to do all that we can to make sure that our heart is right with God. But as much or more than that, it should also inspire us to do everything that we can to share the love of Jesus with every lost person that we can. See, Jesus is getting ready to come. It's right there in the scripture. Well, I've heard that all my life. Well, one day with the Lord is a thousand years and a thousand years is one day. A day doesn't mean to God what it means to us. 
But the signs of the times are there. I didn't hit it there very much, but when we talk about what will mark the end of the last days, what will mark that we've entered into the last days. And there's a place there, I, I, didn't, I didn't get into it, but there's a place there where the Bible talks about Israel becoming a nation and that will mark the beginning of the last days. Well, that happened in 1948, in May of 1948. And the Bible said that this generation shall not pass until all of these things be fulfilled. A generation can be 40 years, it can be 70 years, it can be 100 years. We are literally in the last days. I was born in 1967. Do the math, I'm 50. I was born in 1967. 1967 until today in 50 years there has been more prophecy fulfilled than there was from the time that Jesus ascended until the day I was born about 1967 years so in 50 years more prophecy has been fulfilled than in the whole time before all the way back to the return of the Lord don't tell me that things aren't wrapping up. Things are wrapping up. I'm not trying to scare you. I'm trying to stir you. The Bible said to comfort one another with these words. We just have a rapture drill right now. Come on. I'm ready. I'm ready for the Lord to come. It doesn't scare me when I think about the coming of the Lord. I'm not afraid when I think about the coming of the Lord. I look at it as... God, let's just shift gears and you know, let's go to dinner in heaven with Jesus and let's come back and help Him establish His kingdom here on the earth. For all of you that think when you go to heaven, you're going to sit up there and sit around on puffy clouds and grow wings on your back and, and be a little cherub. No, 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 no. The cherubs have their job to do. That's not your job. You're the redeemed. You've been bought and purchased by the blood of the Lamb. You're the bride of Christ. That's who we are. And our function is different than what theirs is. Thank you for joining us on Working the Word. For more information, go to our website at www.suncoast4, and that's the number 4jesus.tv. You may also write us at 12637 Pony Lane, Hudson, Florida, 34669. Or you may call us at 727-856-1770. Our office hours are Monday through Wednesday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m., Thursdays, 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. And remember, the Word will work if you work the Word.